Hi, I'm Valerie Steele, Director and Chief Curator of the Museum at FIT, the most fashionable museum in New York City. Welcome to our Fashion Culture podcast series, featuring lectures and conversations about fashion. If you like what you hear, please share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag #FashionCulture. Hi, I'm Alex Joseph. I'm the managing editor of FIT's Hue magazine, and I want to welcome you all um, to a celebration of really one of FIT's greatest alumni. Actually, two of FIT's greatest alumni. Let's get that right. Antonio was a fashion illustrator. He drew for the, the Fashions of the Times, Vogue, GQ, Interview, European publications such as Depeche Mode and Anna Piaget's very influential Vanity Magazine. And he also drew for department stores like Bloomingdale's. And um, one model told me that, in fact, one of Antonio's models told me that um, sometimes the drawings were too good for commercial publication, for commercial work. And she said, you know, he had done this drawing as an ad for lingerie, and customers actually brought in the lingerie that they had purchased and complained, because they said, this drawing makes it look like this magnificent work of art, and what you've sold me is a schmata. Uh, Antonio also worked with designers like Charles James and Karl Lagerfeld, and maybe our guests can talk to us a little bit about what those collaborations were like. He was an artist without a set style, and for this protein ability, one curator actually referred to him as the Picasso of illustration. Uh, sometimes his drawings looked like Edward Hopper, and sometimes they looked like um, Salvador Dali. Sometimes they looked like his own. So this wide range of possibilities. And not that we're keeping score here, but he is sometimes referred to as the most influential curator of the second half of the 20th century, and I've even seen him referred to as the most influential, excuse me, fashion illustrator of all time. Um, but what is really not in any dispute at all is the changes that he helped bring about in the field of fashion illustration. In 1962, when Antonio left FIT and started working at Women's Wear Daily, the typical fashion illustration was usually of a sort of staid white woman with no background, and she was in a sort of frozen pose. But um, Antonio and Juan really helped change the field so that you started to see that they were inspired by the street. They were inspired by ordinary women, unusual looking women, women of color. Um, there were people roller skating, riding motorcycles in their drawings. So. Um, and he sort of brought a fine art sensibility to this field that was unusual. Um, but I'd like to suggest that Antonio was, for fashion, something greater than any single illustration or series of illustrations could really capture. He really created a mood, uh, an environment, a scene, something that's more powerful than any single individual, and at the same time, maybe more fragile than anybody at that time, or even this time, could completely understand. Let me introduce my, the guests. Paul Karanikas is a painter. He's educated at Georgetown, the Corcoran, and the Ecole des Beaux-Arts in Paris. He's been in a 
huge list of group and solo shows. Uh, he's also the uh, executor of the Antonio Estate. Walter Robinson, the painter Walter Robinson, called Paul, quote, an ecological artist whose paintings warn of the depredations of civilization as they celebrate the triumphs of engineering and design. Vogue described Corey Grant Tippin as the notorious 70s model, Warhol makeup artist, and Sticky Fingers cover muse. And um, if you're a young, youngest person who doesn't know that the Sticky Fingers album cover is kind of legendary, you should Google that right away. Um, you know, I just want to say there are not enough male muses in the world. Can we get some, right? There's just not enough of them. Um, he also has a decorating and antiques business that's been featured in Oprah's magazine, among many other places. Andre Leon Talley described our next guest as the first supermodel. Pat Cleveland is a legendary muse, model, and African-American trailblazer in fashion. She has modeled for simply too many designers for me to list, but she's also been photographed by Irving Penn, Stephen Mizell, Richard Avedon, Christopher Makos, and Andy Warhol. Uh, she, she also recently authored a book, Walking with the Muses, for uh, Simon & Schuster. All right, so why don't we start with, can I just ask, have, now watching this movie, obviously it's not the first time you've seen this thing, but um, you know, watching it, what do you think? Is it, does it accurately capture something, this experience, what it was like, what Antonio was like? My heart is beating so fast. <laughs> I'm sitting with these two guys, and you know, we're sitting there watching the film and looking at each other like, oh my God, did that really happen? <laughs> did we really have that encounter? Was our life so full and vivid? And you know, we're still doing stuff, but we're just missing one of our buddies, and a lot of them, actually. But still, you know, there's a lot of feelings that you just, you never get over the excitement of being in the presence of other creative people who are young and spontaneous and you just want to carry that feeling on so I feel like we're carrying on you know we're still carrying on the yeah I mean you all each uh -huh. you have your own careers you have other things that you've done um, Corey what do you think um, so Pat and I sat on the stage together probably seven years ago because there's sort of the genesis of all this were the Padilla brothers did a did a book called um, Antonio, actually sex, fashion, and disco. Through that experience of that book, uh, collectively, all of us that were once part of this group kind of dynamically sort of came together again, and we all shared our, those of us who were left, and we all shared our experiences. And you know, they all were what I remembered. Exactly. But it's strange because I remembered it in a sort of isolated way. I was playing the tapes in my own mind, and then to see that it actually happened, to see it on film, that no, it, it's true. Um, you know, it's kind of amazing in my lifetime to have that kind of document. You know, I'm just a witness. You know, I just happen to be there. But um, we're like magnets, I feel. Like, like we all sort of like had this magnetism and we were just kind of pulled together. I mean, I remember when Pat was in high school, and I didn't know her yet, but I knew Donna, who went to the same high school of art and design, and I was like, who's that girl? 
And they said, oh, that's Pat Cleveland. I was like, is she a model? And they were like, not yet. But I was like, I could just see the future. And it sort of played out that way. And I think your question before about James, you know, James is a movie maker, James Crump, the director, and he's an outsider. So he saw this in a very objective way, which is interesting because you're seeing it through James's perception of what happened. Like, yeah, I mean, there is a sort of a reality, yeah. and it's it's um, it's very um, it, like Pat said, her heart was beating. I mean, I've seen this movie what seven, eight times, and it's just every time I watch it, it's you know extremely like an emotional roller coaster, mm. especially with Carl now being gone, and you know just just the people's observations uh, that I didn't notice each time. It's just sort of a for us, you know. Uh, egotistically, it's a very powerful film. I, I don't know how it plays for other people, but I'm sure people that are interested. Yeah, uh, it's it's very hard to tell. I don't know how you all feel watching the movie. It's uh, you know I've seen it ten times, and I don't know what it looks like to to other people. I also, it's a very surreal experience, like Corey said, to actually have lived it and then watch your life um, in pictures. So I think. You know, it's it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. I could, if you imagine somebody were making a film of your life uh, throughout the last 30 or 40 years and then you saw it, think of that. It would be shocking. Is there anything, is there anything that, was, that you felt like should have been in there and wasn't? Well, I, I think the part that really bothers me the most is that the educational aspect of Juan Antonio's uh, of in general was not stressed at all it, it, because James Crump who made the movie is a real fan he's like it's uh, it's sort of from the view of somebody who grew up um, idolizing Juan and Antonio he's a midwestern guy he says this himself when we're on the stage together and he always wanted to you know he lived for when interview would come out or when Antonio's illustrations would appear in the in the newspapers. So I think from that point of view, it's a great movie because mm -hmm. you get to see it totally in that way, right? Totally. Um, I know that you, Alex, you do your uh, movie reviews, which I often do. Well, they're, they're, they're reverse reviews. They're like oh, the movies movie. I don't want to see. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I usually do a, just a one second. Like, I love this is them, a movie yeah. I don't want to see, but this I did want to see. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering. There's. Um, I noticed that Betty Davis, the singer, is not in this. She's yeah. She, um, she she was in. Uh, it was it was a part of Antonio and Juan's um, '70s experience. Betty Davis and um, she was she was very close for about a year and a half. But she, she for some reason it was omitted. You know you can't get everything in. Well, of there. course. Yeah. Of course. I just, I just was wondering. I mean, and I know she's a little reserved too. Also, she, I don't know if she made. Well, now she is. She wasn't yeah. back then. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> not if anybody knows. If you don't know Betty Davis's work, you should also. That's another thing that you should Google. Yeah, right? absolutely. Betty, Betty Davis. Uh, you also mentioned uh, vanity in your yes. intro. And you know, if I had to pick a segment of Antonio's work or a, a certain period. I think, because I've, I've given this some thought, I think that I would choose the Vanity period. That was a magazine that he co, um, uh, yeah, and introduced and produced, I think, with Anna Piaggi. And he just had a lot of freedom. And, and the, just the drawings and the covers are sublime. 
they're just incredible, that period of his But I think the reason those weren't featured in the movie is because James tried to limit himself to the late 60s up until 1976. So that okay. was the 80s. Um, and yeah, so that's for part two. Uh-huh. Yeah, also the, the metaphor of, you know, the, the AIDS epidemic and the, the, the kind of behavior that preceded that, I think it's, it's entwined, you know, distinctly with the story of Antonio. So I think also James had that perspective. Yeah, but he definitely wanted to mention behavioral that. and, you know, um, generational kind of behavior. That's sort of what they do in theater, you know, the tragic and the joyful. Mm. So the, you know, the contrast of the tragedy that we all had to face in fashion and losing friends so vulnerable because they were so vivid, the life, so full of life and so happy and free, and they just cut down like that. Mm. It's very sad. <clears throat> I think many people in fashion have experienced losing you know, uh, have touched Antonio, hmm. or I remember doing drawings when I was in high school, and I thought, who is this person? And I love the drawings and being a part of his life, and so many people, you know, were encouraged by just looking at a touch of his imagination. Hmm. And then, you know, when you make a film, you have to have the happy and the sad. Yeah. There's more happy, though. Yeah, I think it's definitely an ecstatic kind of movie that just definitely captures this joyfulness that you all had, um, and um, and to be sort of candid, I kind of long for that. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it doesn't. And I wonder if you feel this, that the scene around fashion has changed. And by the way, I'd just like to point out that, first of all, uh, a- Antonio was continuously referred to in fashion. So Anna Sui recently did a, a collection um, and, uh, that was sort of in, informed by Antonio, inspired by Antonio. Um, and Pat has uh, still walking. I mean, she just, just did Tommy. Just did Tommy. Yeah, I just did Tommy Hilfiger yeah. with... Um, Zendanaya and Grace and all these girls and we're supposed to be showing 54 and Versailles and you know I just did the same number I did at Versailles <laughs> you know give me a piece of fabric and I'll show you what it can do and it's basically it's all about the fabric and fashion you know, material but you know uh, past all of that it was about the spirit actually you know when you look at someone like Antonio and our gang we just had the spirit we just wanted to be something we wanted to build, go through the process of learning how to live in the world with each other and dress up and make an effort. We really, and Corey used to do my makeup and he wouldn't let us leave the house unless we all had the, bla- the coal in our eyes and he'd grab you by the back of your head and, come here, nobody's leaving without this and he'd make us all up and we had that one room at, what is it, a Vue Bonaparte and we'd all pile in there before we went out in the evening and there was not an kitchen in the apartment so we had to go out and eat. <laughs> That's what artists do, they don't have, they don't cook. And so <laughs> the hungry group would just like, the only way we'd get it like a free dinner is if we dress up. You know, steak was, au poivre is very expensive unless you want to live on Cote Monsieur, which is very nasty. You know, those cheese sandwiches. But anyway, so, and we were after champagne, but nobody really drank that much, you know, so Antonio didn't drink, and anyway, Carl just lived on aspirins and Coca-Cola, and the rest of us wanted food. Didn't we want to eat? I mean, and so 
back to that, you know, uh, yeah, it was just about surviving basically in a group like we were like this little fish pond coming, <laughs> group of fish coming in like one big body and we'd arrive and all the energy would change in the room wow. and going out to the set, we had our own theme songs when we came down the stairs <laughs> and we had that Apache tango dancing and war dancing. It's kind of like your group on one side of the room and the other group and tango and see who can live through it, you know, whose clothes didn't get ripped. <laughs> <laughs> dancing so hard and, and I just remember so you hard. and Donna getting on the those glass tables and dancing. I don't know how little you did cubes. it. Little cubes. Yeah. Slippery little cubes. Yeah. How did you do that? <laughs> Anything to get attention. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. You know, I just wanted to say that we were very lucky to have Bill Cunningham huh. as our kind of staff photographer. <laughs> because in those days, there were no, people didn't walk around, unless With you were cameras. a real photographer, you did not carry a camera. You didn't have a cell phone, of course. And there was no way to record a lot of things. So in a way, there is a, a very, very large Antonio archive because of Bill Cunningham mm. and his like dedication mm. to um, Antonio and Juan's and Juan's life. But had we had cell phones, oh, it would had be we, had we had Instagram. I don't know. I didn't know. It I would know be not so mysterious. <laughs> you know, no, it would. We, that's too much work. Now yeah. we didn't think about numbers of money, or we didn't think about anything. We were just thinking about dressing up and being glamorous and living what we thought uh, the old movie stars would do in the 1920s. You know, they didn't have all of those things. They just had each other and dancing and music and clothes and makeup and. That's all we wanted to do is be glamorous. It's true. Money it's, was, well, just, personally speaking, it was sort of never um, a goal to 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 have to be become rich. It wasn't our goal at except, all. I don't. I don't except think for we, maybe Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> she said, "I'm going to marry." She said, "I'm going to marry the richest man in yeah. the world." And she and did. She did. And she did. <laughs> Well, what you say, you become. And we became what we wanted to be. We wanted to be stars. We all wanted to be movie stars. And that's why we were all doing this Andy Warhol movies like Vivian's Girls and, and L'Amour. We were trying so hard. And nobody had any cameras, really, except Andy and Bill. Nobody had cameras. They were so expensive. And nobody had film. Film, okay. film you had to change it in the dark. You had to have a studio. Corey, where did you get the ideas for those for the makeup? I mean, where did they come from? I, you know, I was super, super um, excited and influenced by the 1960s because what what had happened as a little child when I used to look at magazines, I I remember the 1950s and suddenly the 1960s came along, and the makeup and the hair were like Vidal Sassoon and that Peggy Moffat and the extreme individuality of, of models who were in those days responsible for their own careers. There weren't makeup men. As a matter of fact, Antonio suggested that I be, I didn't know what to do. And you know, being around Antonio was very intimidating because as Pat said, you know, drawing and drawing like him, nobody would dare pick up a pencil mm. near Antonio. You just couldn't. I mean, he was such a master. It was. You were just awed. In awe, you would just yeah. stand and give up everything. And then, so you picked up the eyeliner, the coal. That was your pencil. Well, he said, yeah. become, why don't you become a makeup man? And in those days, there were probably only five <laughs> that I even knew of. 
And, and didn't I said, you tell okay. me? Didn't you tell me you used to do the corpses? Oh right. <laughs> well, I thought. Well, maybe I won't be a makeup man. Maybe I'll be an under. You know, not an undertaker. A um, uh, the artist. A mortician. mortician. A mortician. Yes, because this I'd is have scoop, more. Right. I hope someone's getting this. It was down. very goth, and I felt I'd have more control, and the girls don't move. The girls wouldn't fight. You would that. complain. You would have yeah. a lot more control. Yeah. Rather than being a caveman and like yanking. Well, he was Pat, like a caveman. Driving, you know, pulling Makeup. Pat by the hair across the room, and you, you had know, the blue. You had the blue yeah. in there. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah. So I think the '60s was a was a huge influence on me, and then you know I was youthful and very very attentive to every moment of what was going on around me, and I had privilege because I was able to see how the fashion and world care. was working, and Actually, people were care. asking me like YSL invited me to to develop their makeup line. Mm. And I really didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> you know youth is blind. Like you just you just do it. And um, you he know, was no young one, too. Yeah, no one really. He wanted to hang out with us. Well, yeah, he Remember? wanted the the youth. I mean, it's precious, and and the idea of having opportunity goes hand sure. in hand with youth. I remember I was interviewing Brooke Shields one time and she said, you know, it's really different in fashion now because um, at the time, she was talking about the early 80s, that um, brands and companies would take a risk. They would give you some space to do what you wanted to do. And now she's like, forget it. You have to, every proposal has to travel all the way up the food chain. Do you experience this so much now in fashion? Yes or no? Or? Yeah, I absolutely. Really? Um, you know, the, all the agents and the, especially the thing about your numbers on your Instagram oh. is what gets you the job. I know my daughter dropped her Instagram because she said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I just love the art. I don't right. want to be a number. And you know, I think what we had was the art. We weren't numbers. We weren't trying to impress anybody with mm. how much we had or how powerful we were. We just wanted to be happy and, and be together and be social and, and be alive. And you know, that, that I was I think important. it's so hard for anybody who's of a certain age, younger, to understand what it was like then. It was completely different. So. To put yourself in the position of people back in the 60s and 70s is impossible for somebody who's who's younger. Um, but this film helps you understand a little bit, so because it's just about what Pat said. Well, yeah, and to to reiterate what Pat said, it's our our identification was with the 20 or 30 years prior to us. We loved Hollywood. Right. We loved Horrell Technicolor. And we loved the, the, the 1930s. idea of, yeah, of the star 20s. system, of like of people being manufactured and produced Marlene in a Hollywood, in a Hollywood <laughs> yeah, sort Betty of Davis. system. And you know, we were 30 years post that generation, yet that was where we drew our inspiration. Well, that's what we wore also. Our yeah, clothes were from the antique stores. <laughs> from the 1920s, we had fur coats and beaded dresses that belonged to whoever in the 1920s. Except Jerry Hall. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, well, she didn't have clothes. <laughs> she had lingerie. Lingerie. It's not here. Yeah. Oh, well. Right. Oh, it's okay. She's here. Okay. <laughs> I have a quick question. True or false? Antonio was colorblind. Was what? Colorblind. No. No. Okay. I forget who told me that when I was doing some work that the research that they said uh, Juan did all the color. Oh, they just meant he he colored the drawings, but Antonio colored the drawings too. And okay. anything that's flat on an Antonio drawing is Juan because it was usually it's usually cellotac. It's, it's not paper. paint. Oh. So it's a it's a film. 
but any gradation or anything, it's he's certainly wasn't colorblind. That's just okay. One of those things. Good. Master yeah. of color. Glad I got that figured out. Yeah. Um, glamour seems to be a common thread in the work of Warhol and Antonio. Can anyone speak to how each artist approached the notion of glamour? This is a very brainy question. I have a little bit of an answer for that, and then I'm going to pass it on to the to Pat and Paul. But I think it was the superficial. It's it's the superficial that fascinated me. It right. had nothing to do with anything but but what we saw, what I saw superficially, and beauty, the superficiality of beauty, was was fascinating to me. And I think um, the the idea of even being an introvert as I was, the idea of turning yourself into an extrovert and putting on the mantle of glamour or the superficiality was the fascination. And I think yeah, that's we were true. all basically shy. You would this always be in the back painting. <laughs> no, really, we just wanted to burst out, like come out like a butterfly. You know, we were mm. all like caterpillars in our in ourselves. You know, just crawling and being very. But we didn't like the mundane. We were dreamers. We wanted glamour. We wanted shine. We thought if we shine ourselves up, maybe somebody would be interested in us and love us. And I think we were happy deeply superficial. No, but we liked we liked beauty and we liked things, you know. Yeah. No, we were not. We were not. We were just want, trying to make the world more beautiful and interesting and yeah. entertaining. We were the entertainers, really. If we went out, oh, let's see if they can see us. We're all sparkly. And maybe somebody will be happy today if we're here. Did you have a strong sense of yourselves as Americans in Paris at that time? Oh. Did we what? Did you have a strong sense of yourself as Americans oh, yeah. in Paris? Yeah, we yeah. took over. Over. Okay. It was like, yeah. you owe us. We saved you. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to go to Berlin and sing that song. In the airplane with Nancy North and all of us, we would be singing in the airplanes. Oh, they'd put you in jail now for the stuff we did when we traveled. And the, what was that train we used to take to the... Oh, uh, the Train Bleu. We were traveling in style. Always first class and lots of luggage and diamonds and thanks to yeah, Carl. Thanks to Carl. <laughs> I think I think the it's true, but we were expats, but the unfortunate thing is that we never spoke French among ourselves. And that's why it was so easy to get along with Carl because he was, you know, trilingual, understood all the, the nuances of what we were saying. Mm. And Antonio and Juan never bothered to learn French. Paul was the yeah. only one that spoke properly. He was uh -huh. our translator. It's only till now, the last two years, that I finally take French classes at the Alliance Concert. <laughs> and I'm a terrible student. I, it just was, was um, never something that I had to do. But we lived in the American area, in Saint-Germain, so we were like <laughs> parading around as though we owned the France. We owned France. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they loved us for that because we were brave. We had no fear. We, we were bold, you know. We could sing. We could dance. We had music that they didn't have. Oh, yeah. We brought all of that American James Brown and everything, yeah. Marvin Gaye, and people were falling in love with our music and our dance moves. Mm. Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield. Wow. The movie doesn't even really touch on this at all, but uh, Paul and Juan were, of course, from Puerto Rico. Did they? Was there any kind of... I don't know. Was there... 
an awareness of that? Was there friction around that? I know Pat actually, you said you left the United States and you said you didn't want to come back until there was a, an African-American woman on the cover of Vogue, right? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Beverly. Um, yeah, Beverly, just uh, saw her in Paris. She made yeah, she had the opportunity, but that was so much later. Yeah. It was eight years later. Yeah. It took eight years. It's like, you know, the seven, number seven, and another seven, you yeah. know. And but what did you mean about Puerto Rico? Well, I'm just was wondering, was there, you know, I mean, um, did they feel in any way outsiders oh, to the fashion scene well, or not? I, I just remember that Juan would mock his Puerto Rican descent by, by West singing all the songs from West Side Story. Oh, yeah, we'd always do. Um, they, they were connected, but it was never really like well, an the issue. No, the songs from West Side Story are a mockery. I yes. mean, it's, yeah. it's a whole, it's yes. an artifice. And I, I mean, Juan deeply loved Puerto Rican songs. He would play Tonya La Negra, like, constantly. And we'd eat those platanos every day. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the food, of course. <laughs> the food, Chinese-Cuban food. So in that sense, I think, yeah, yeah they never, yeah. They, I mean, Antonio's favorite restaurant was La Chinita, which is, you know. Is it still there? It wasn't no. as if there was a denial, but as you said, they were New Yorkers. Yeah, they were New Yorkers. I mean, they were, I they were. New Yorkers, New, yeah, really. New Yorkers. I stand by but it. But they could speak Spanish. <laughs> but okay. they never spoke Spanish never, around. Never no, they, well, they just, didn't speak Spanish. Okay. No, they no. never I did. I mean, not, um, not around us. Them, so they knew how to, but... But uh, they never did. They didn't use it. I have a question. Is there an Antonio of the 21st century, someone whose artistry and energy shapes fashion and style? Now, I'm assuming that this person means maybe it's not an illustrator, but... Yeah, that could be. It might be an actor, or uh, I'm not sure. Someone around who created Someone a scene on Instagram. and inspired other people to be creative too, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Maybe the audience knows someone. Yes, tell us. Shout it out. Follow who is it? them. Who is it? I think there's it's fashion so complex now, and there's so many jobs for everyone that there's no one person in the stylists. Stylists mm. are more like Patty Wilson. You know, people like uh, people from Love Magazine. You know, stylists seem to be like the illustrators because they're working mm. with the photographers. But as far as illustrators and well, the only never... the only one I would mention is David Danton. Oh who yeah, I he's find in England. To be an extraordinary right. he's very illustrator. Good. Yeah, he's but he's good. not a dynamic creator of anything. And he doesn't no, have an entourage he's not, like. He's not an know, influence in that way. He's right. just a very very good artist. Creating, technique. yeah, and it's changing, a, changing And still the world. being a fashion illustrator, you know, which is yeah. very, very rare. Yeah. It's, it's hard to have that full time. Yeah, maybe a singer, maybe, I don't know, somebody. Mm -hmm. Someone who, yeah, brings people. That, I mean, I was thinking this person is uh, maybe is not as as famous now, but someone like Ruben Toledo would be, you know, oh, yeah, a good, really good Yeah, he's coming up. Yeah, they were... He admires Both Antonio. of them. Oh, yeah, yeah the, the, it, they're Because fantastic. they're a team. They yeah. cover yeah, a lot teams. of bases. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're a team. What is your fave and memory of Antonio or your fave project? <laughs> favorite, did you say? Yeah. Your favorite memory of Antonio. 
Wow. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing, the whole thing yeah. about I just I just remember arriving in Paris and all of us sleeping in that one room apartment together <laughs> like in sleeping bags and Antonio and Juan on the floor and me and Don in the bread nose to toe, you know, and waking up and right away getting to the drawing and and Corey coming over and you know making sure we looked good and you know is and then that, later is that where we the were, pictures were taken those uh, black and white pictures went to yes, the, flute. the flute yeah, yeah it was very intimate I mean it was really at the beginning then we'd go out and have some food and drink that funny green drink that could kill you oh absinthe absinthe yeah <laughs> it can kill you we had to because all the artists do it you know we say here we go oh, I'm not drinking okay <laughs> Do you think great fashion illustrators can exist in today's society? And if so, I guess what is your advice on how to... They say, what is your advice? I'll just leave it there. What is your advice? Paint the people you know mm. and make them gorgeous. Every face is a beautiful face. It's how you see it, you know, and what you put on it. Because clothes don't mean anything unless there's a spirit behind it, mm. you know. That sounds good. But you're the painter. Yeah, but... You're an amazing painter. But you can't give advice on that. You just have it... If you have it in you, you just do it. It's yeah. not something you can control. And you can't tell somebody what to do. Yeah, you can't paint. control it. You just say, oh, no, I have to paint again. It's yeah, like I, you wake up and you say, oh, no, I have to paint. Okay. Yeah, you don't even think. <laughs> you just do it. But yeah. I, I never, you know, I tried to be a teacher. I taught at NYU for a while. Um, and it's very hard to teach art. I just think it's, you can teach methods mm. or you can teach the history of art, which is what I taught. Mm. But to actually teach someone how to paint or how to draw is impossible. You can tell them how you draw and then do it the way I do it, but... Tell them to go get possessed by it. That's, that's it, basically. Like it. That, we that's were better. like That's basically the whole situation yeah. is something Well, I noticed that you've been painting a lot. I've been painting yeah. also, they, thanks to really your inspiration well, thank you. with all of your sketches. That Mutual he's, And he's always encouraging everybody. <laughs> he says, you have to go to the class and draw. And I, uh, I figured, it, yeah, you're, you know, inspiring people, I think, is very important. I think so. That's so. what art is all about, basically. I inspire by, by example. Yeah, by example. Yeah. Like how you see the world. Now because of your paintings, I see the sky. I never really Thank saw you. the sky like that before. It's well, interesting. You've got to see his work. Paul, that, um, Paul's work. You know, considering that this, you'd had this uh, obviously very important experience in your background that you'd, your, uh, I haven't looked at all your work, but uh, they're, often, they're not often people in your paintings. Well, I usually, not in my paintings, no, uh, I usually reserve my, my uh, people for uh, drawings uh, because I've, in the last 10 years, I've been drawing people. I, Since I just Antonio wanted died, to jump I feel in here and say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because <laughs> like they said in the movie, you, you, when, when you see somebody draw that way, I mean, I used to draw with Antonio. We, I used to draw the model with him, but it wasn't the same. Now, when I go and draw people, um, I, you know, I feel a bit 
freer. Because you were in the back room making deserts and seams like yeah. huge paintings of landscapes and he's in the darkest room in the house painting the brightest sky you've ever seen <laughs> and Antonio's in the other room with a hundred people dancing so now I can understand why you want to do people. Yeah, but but following, following Paul now and seeing his drawings, is that what you yeah. call them? Well, the watercolor, yeah. They're the most... Um, I don't know where that came from Instagram. because I didn't know that about I don't know where it came from either. And they're the most amazing, sharpest, <laughs> right. most interesting, figurative, which figurative. I love. Thank you, Drawings. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. Paul, I think you're going to pick up some followers on your Instagram yeah, tonight. Please, so. please follow I better start You'll posting. You'll get really again. inspired. All three of these people have great Instagrams. Okay, let's do, uh, we'll do one more question. Well, you, maybe you've answered this already, but maybe not. What advice would Antonio give to young creative people? Come here, let me draw you. <laughs> That's not advice. I used to watch Antonio uh, give people advice when, like, for instance, a class from FIT would yeah. come to the studio, and um, if he didn't think they had potential, he would tell them immediately, you know, don't do that. You're never going to make it. Forget it. Do, and he would tell them what to do. So I think on an individual, one-on-one -on -one basis, you can tell people. I don't think there's a general thing you can say that, you know, uh, that Antonio would say to people besides follow what you feel. And uh, if you don't, if I'm not around to tell you that you're good at it, then figure it out. I think that's what he would, mm. he would want them to know. I, I think he would say, do you know what you're doing? Mm. You know, because he had this little logical twist sometimes, like, mm. what are you doing? <laughs> you know? What about Juan? Uh -huh. What well, would Juan I think, say? I think, like, what was, what was focused on the movie also is that Antonio saw into people what they couldn't see themselves. Mm. Yeah. And so his intuitiveness, as referred to by his father, who was a psychic, perhaps he would be able to see the, 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 the talent that we all have and be able to introduce us ourselves Oh yeah, he would it. see their talent. He would mm -hmm. tell them, be, you know, you should be a hairdresser. That's what he did with Leslie, <laughs> with Leslie oh, Lopez. You should be a makeup oh. artist. You should be a makeup yeah. artist. Oh. And Mundi, you should design shoes. I mean, he would find their strength and he would say, play to that. And if they drew well, he would say, you should be, you should be an illustrator or a designer. Okay. You know what you should do, he would say. Do you know what you should do? Remember you used to say that? Yeah, it would you be sort of like words. that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Paul, Pat, and Corey, thank you all thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you.